uh, in advance for that. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 18, 1 Samuel chapter 18, as we are continuing in our study of Saul. Uh, Dwight Lehman told of a missionary trying to do translation work in a particular tribe, and uh, this missionary was having a really hard time. They didn't have a word for pride. And so he was having a hard time translating the idea of pride uh, in the uh, in the Bible and trying to get them to, to get them to grasp the concept of what it is. It's interesting, by the way, if you read about a lot of these different cultures and especially tribes, there's things that we just totally is part of our life that they don't have a part of their life. They're just different. And so uh, he finally had to use their word or a group of words for the ears being too far apart. That's how he translated it. So uh, that's how they could understand someone, I guess, who had a big head. Uh, so in other words, the, the conveying the idea of an inflated head, your ears are too far apart. So if I ever say that to you from here on out, that's what I mean. I think you're proud. Your ears are too far apart. Okay. Uh, in our text, we've been seeing that Samuel's, uh, I'm sorry, Saul's problem. His ears are too far apart. He is, he is a proud man. We find tonight in our text that Saul is not a happy camper. Uh, we're going to read in a minute how he was very wroth or angry and displeased. One of the major effects of sin in our life is anger and jealousy. And those things can build and build and do if we allow sin in. Sin at its core is obsession with self and promotion of self. Really, that's all sin is, choosing self over the person you're sinning against. If you have an affair, you're choosing yourself over your spouse. If you lie, you're choosing yourself over the truth. If you disobey God, you're choosing yourself over him, and on and on. So sin is a promotion and obsession with self. And so as you sin, then jealousy is the next obvious step because uh, jealousy is also an obsession with self. And so the more self-focused we get, the more jealousy will set in. So all Saul's unhappiness revolves around the Rasmussen poles of his day. Uh, poles are not a new thing. They took a Gallup poll, essentially, and Saul did not like the results. The results of the poll was that Saul had killed his thousands, but David had killed his ten thousands. And uh, if you're, by the way, if you're guided by opinion polls, you're not practicing leadership, you're practicing fellowship. And we've had We've had political leaders that do that. They, they just follow the polls, and that's not leadership. Uh, so let's get into this tonight. Let's start reading verse number 2, and then we'll, we'll skip around a little bit. Chapter 18. And Saul took him, that's David, that day, and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Jump down to verse 5. And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely, and Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And it came to pass as they, as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy, and with instruments of music. So far, so good. Hey, the returning hero leading all his troops. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Uh-oh, now, now it's becoming a problem. And Saul was very wroth. And the saying displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. But what can he have more than the king? but the kingdom? Um, 
first of all, you sat in your tent while he went and killed a giant. So, I mean, it, it's interesting to me, this is diverting from the path here, but it's interesting to me how people will put a focus on others' reaction without realizing their own actions to get that reaction. He did not go out after the giant. If he'd have done his job, he would be getting the cheers of the people. But David did his job for him, and now he's getting credit. That's a natural thing. When you don't do your job and you sit, uh, sit when you should fight, you're not going to get the credit for it. And so uh, interesting how people respond. But let's get started tonight. Looking at the praise, what upset Saul was the praise that David was given. David's performance in, in the, in, on the battlefield was most praiseworthy. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, he went out. He was a, a boy shepherd visiting his brothers on the front line. And when he got there, he hears this giant. And then he goes out and does the job that none of the soldiers would do. He hadn't been through boot camp. He hadn't had training. Uh, he hadn't. He wasn't officially a soldier. He was just a young man who went out and and you know somebody's got to do something. And he went out and did it. Uh, now, verse two, we read that he took him that day, would let him no go go no more to his father's house. So Saul drafted or he enlisted David into the army of Israel after David defeated Goliath. This was a smart move on Saul's part because uh, David had proven himself the best soldier that he has or the only one that had the uh, fortitude and the bravery and the courage to go out after this giant. So Saul recruited David to be in his army. Now again, David had already been his armor bearer, had already been his servant, so David was somewhat familiar with, with Saul. And uh, this, this idea of not letting him go anymore home to his father's house was some sacrifice. So David now is basically conscripted into the army, drafted. And sacrifice is always involved in service. If you're going to do anything for God, it's going to take some sacrifice. We're going to talk about that at length on Sunday morning with our friend of, friends of Jesus. But uh, David had proven himself, and Saul had conscripted him, put him into service, and now he has to sacrifice the convenience of his father's house. He has to uh, be away from home. Uh, and if we are going to serve in God's army, there's going to be some sacrifice we'll have to do there as well, just like David had to here. Uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 23, And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. There's some things we give up. There's some things we take up. There's some things we keep up in that verse. There are some sacrifices uh, that, now, if we're honest about it, they're not really sacrifices. Oh, I can't drink alcohol as a Christian, or I can't smoke dope as a Christian. That's not really a sacrifice that'll hurt you. That's one that'll help you, amen? So uh, most of the things we give up for God aren't really sacrifices, although they feel like it sometimes. Uh, but those who don't want to sacrifice anything for God, in other words, those who don't give up anything, uh, the Bible says, if any man come after me, let him die himself. If there's nothing you've given up in your life for God, you're probably not denying yourself, like Jesus would have you do. Uh, so you're not going to do much serving if you're not willing to do any sacrificing. Warren Wiersbe said this, self-preservation is the first law of physical life, but self-sacrifice is the first law of spiritual life. And we find that to be true, don't we, as we serve God. Now, verse 5, David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. This is talking about David's character and serving Saul. Uh, there, first, there was submission. He went out whithersoever Saul sent him. Now, before he becomes king, 
David is learning to be submissive in his duty, and he was. He did everything he was told. He would, it would take some humility, don't you think, to submit to Saul's orders? Two big facts, two big glaring facts here. I killed a giant while you sat on your blessed assurance, okay? And I have been already uh, anointed as your replacement. I'm, I'm your replacement. God has rejected you and chosen me to be king. And yet he obeys. He submits. I think of Jesus when he was 12 years old. Remember that? Parents found him having a discussion with the religious leaders. Jesus said, don't, you know, I have to be about my father's business. And mom says, what moms say, you get yourself on home. And what, G what the Bible says is Jesus went and was submissive to them. Uh, and he, he listened to them. So uh, that's, that's humility. That is meekness. And that's what David was. Aristotle said, he who cannot be a good follower cannot be a good leader. We have lots of people that want to be leaders, but they are not willing to be followers. And if we're not able to follow, we're not going to be able to lead well either. And uh, if you're going to be a good leader, you, then you'll, you're going to be at some point a good follower. That was Saul's problem. He never followed Samuel. He should have. Should have done what Samuel said. Ultimately followed the Lord, which he wasn't doing either, but he should have followed and done what Samuel said, obeyed what he said, uh, Samuel told him to do, but he would not follow, therefore he was not going to be a good leader. But David did. And when a young man joins the military, that's one of the things he learns, submission, and uh, learns to be uh, take the orders of a superior, and this is what David was learning here. Dave, David may not have respected Saul, but he submitted to his orders. He may not have liked his orders, but he submitted to them. Oh, there's a lesson in there for us. We, we are so good at vetting orders. We, God tells us to do something, we vet them. Ah, how many times have you ever heard this statement? I know that's what the Bible says, but there is no but if that's what the Bible says, and we just need to obey it. Uh, so there was also success in his character, not only submission. David behaved himself wisely. This means to be circumspect, to be proper. Uh, I'm sorry, to prosper. The word wisely here is trans translated from a Hebrew word that means to Prosper. That is uh, uh, what that's telling us. His faithful service, his attitude, his character uh, resulted in the successful fulfillment of his duties. Can I tell you tonight that success in our performance is not limited only to our talent? It's also our character, how we purport ourselves. David's good behavior and success came from doing the orders that Saul gave him. If you are lacking success in your life, I wonder if part of it isn't because we're not following the orders given us by the Lord. We're not doing the things he tells us to do. All right, let's look at the promotion. Verse number five. Saul set him over the men of war. This is a high position. Now, David is not the captain of the host. That post belonged to Abner. Uh, but to be over the men of war is not some trivial spot. That's a, I don't know what the position would be exactly today. Uh, but it would be a major post in this army. It was a considerable command. Uh, though it wasn't the supreme command. It was a, a big one. Maybe a three-star general instead of a five-star, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but the promotion was certainly deserved because David had killed Goliath. Again, you know, there's no record that David kept bringing this up. But, I mean, today, wouldn't it be nice, maybe a T-shirt? I killed Goliath. Yeah. Uh, who has two thumbs and killed Goliath? This guy, you know, however you want to let people know constantly. It uh, doesn't say he did that, but that's a pretty big point in David's life. So... It was well-deserved. Uh, the kinds of men that do great military service like this and heroic military service deserve promotions like this, and David did. 
promoting men because of their achievements in the battlefield has pretty much always happened in every army. David's achievement on the battlefield was most extraordinary, and it deserved a big promotion. This is a smart move by Saul here to do that. We ought to limit our promotion of men to those who truly deserve it and have earned it. Now, I worked in the secular field for uh, quite a few years, and there was a period of time when we had we had a the great family that owned our company. It was a great Christian family. But uh, I worked there for about 10 years, and we were getting promoted through the ranks, and I was uh, getting promoted through, and my, my, some of my friends were in pretty high positions, sales manager and different things. And then the uh, each one of the owners had had kids. One of them had two, one of them had three. Their kids decided, we want in on this company. So they started, they, they came back. They had been involved in other things. They wanted in on it, so they all came back. And uh, isn't it fun when the boss's kid becomes your boss? I don't know if you've ever been in that situation. But they don't know near what you know. They don't know as much. They're not qualified like you are. And thankfully, they were good kids. They were also Christian, and you know we were able to get along. But uh, it is not a good thing when someone gets promoted just because they're connected or because they, uh, they know how to kiss up right. And uh, everybody suffers in that situation. That is why, by the way, not to get political, but affirmative action is so destructive. When we stop promoting people and putting them in positions because of their merit, and we started promoting them because of the color of their skin, uh, this is a problem. This is not, this does not promote good workforces. And so when you take away from the hiring process, uh, character training talent and replace it with uh, identity, then, then you're going to have a problem in the workforce. And we see that today. It leads to some very good, uh, poor employers, uh, employees, I'm sorry, and bad workers. By the way, has it worked for our current administration who wants to put trans people in every office? Uh, we've got some real winners with that one, haven't we? But again, I think I said I'm not going to get political, so we'll just move on from that. Uh, this, this all leads to a horrible work environment, and it's utter foolishness. At least Saul did one thing right here. He promoted David. God does not promote people in his service for these type of foolish reasons. He doesn't promote you because of who your parents are. He doesn't promote you because of what your pedigree is, certainly not the color of your skin or your race or any of that. He promotes us on the basis of character and faithfulness. Jesus said it several times. You're faithful in a few things. I'll put you over many. And if we're faithful where God puts us, then he'll promote us to greater things. Davids of this world need to be promoted, not Eliab's. We so much more, uh, even in churches, we tend to promote Eliab's who look good, sound good. Uh, they, they present themselves good. Uh, but they don't have character, and, and we don't want to be guilty of that at all. So Saul promoted the right one here. Now, this promotion of David was proper, and uh, there, there's, you know, it's a lesson on merit for promotion and all that stuff, but uh, they, uh, people want recognition without achievement these days. They want to be uh, promoted uh, without having any reason for it, that just because of who they are, and, and uh, that, that leads to a very entitled generation and... Uh, there I go getting political again. David's promotion was well-deserved because of his character. Let's move on to his popularity in verse 5. And he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Acceptance or being popular is not always the experience of those who are promoted into political office. Ask Kamala Harris how popular she is after she was promoted in 
I found this. I just had to share this just because this is so good. Uh, this quote. I, I look at great. I love looking at quotes. Every message that I put together, I do lots of searches for quotes because I like using quotes. And so here's a quote for you. The significance of the passage of time, right? The significance of the passage of time. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time. So there's a quote for you to take away tonight and ponder on the depth of that. Okay, but David was accepted, and it was because of his performance he was accepted. But it, it's interesting because he, he impressed people that normally would be jealous. He's put into this political, high political position, and he doesn't deserve it in their minds. I've put my time in. Now, again, uh, he, could, he could glaringly put out, I killed Goliath, don't forget. We know that, but he's not even a soldier. He's put over all of us. But they didn't have that attitude. They accepted him. Uh, he was accepted in sight of all the people and the sight of Saul's servants. And he even impressed Saul's servants, who usually though, uh, people in government are a very jealous lot, as we've seen as well. But David served with character. He was above reproach. And uh, that's why the Bible tells us a good name is rather to be chosen than great silver. David was choosing that and working that name. And that's uh, a, it's a really neat thing. We, we don't strive for popularity. That's not what David was going for here. But it's interesting that when you serve with character, you carry yourself right, you speak right, you have the right kind of humility, you have the right kind of submission to the right kind of people, uh, folks will accept you. I forget who it was said of he was accepted by God and man. And that's the idea that we will be. So, um, Then the praising. Look at verse 6. The women came out of all the cities singing and dancing to meet Saul with tabrets and with joy and with instruments of music. This practice of the women of Israel, this was characteristic of the time. On the return of any victorious army, the children and women would line the streets welcoming home the heroes. And uh, then they sang that horrible song. Saul has slain his thousands, David is ten thousand. This message exalted David over Saul. It says he killed ten times as many as Saul did. And by the way, giving David more credit than Saul was correct in this situation again, because David not only killed more, he did all the killing. Well, I guess they chased the Philistines after, but he started it all with taking on Goliath. And so if the battle had been left up to Saul, Israel would still be out on the hillside watching a big guy walk up and down a valley cursing God. But uh, David did do more than Saul. And so this, but, but this, this is a big problem for a proud man, as it always will be. We'll see that in a moment. But I want to stress what was missing here in this praise. God was not included in it. Did you notice that? Saul has done this. David has done this. God's not included in it. When the women of Israel sang after uh, the victory over the Egyptians, the Red Sea had parted, the Egyptians went in, the water came together, took out the whole army. They also sang, the women of Israel sang, led by Miriam then. And this is one of the things they said, Exodus 15, 21. Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. That's the right kind of praise when God does the work. We better remember the source of our strength and our success is God, not us. And uh, it's not wrong to give honor to faithful men, though. I, I don't think that is wrong at all. In fact, I encourage it, and I think it is good. Uh, I was just talking to Brother Dave Barton um, yesterday about this, but he was honored a few years ago at his church in Albuquerque for 50 years in the bus ministry. And uh, he was given a new car, was it? No, 
just a just a piece of paper. Okay, <laughs> but the, <laughs> we'd have given you a new car here, brother. I just want you to know. Yeah, it would have been a Yugo, but we'd have given you a new car. Uh, but but uh, is that you know that's that's good to recognize the faithfulness of somebody who's working that long in a church full of people, maybe not full, but where there's people doing nothing. Okay, I don't think it's wrong at all to honor men and to give recognition. In fact, one of the things we've started doing in our pastors' conference, we started this last year, is every year we honor a pastor, and we started out, it was kind of neat. Uh, we He had no idea. I had gotten with his wife, and he had no idea, so she had given me pictures and all kinds. And we made a video, and we started playing this video, and he sees himself, you know. And then we honored him for 30 years of, of faithful service here in South Dakota as pastoring. I think it's great to do that. Honor people, but that doesn't mean we take the credit, all of it. Amen? We give that to God. Romans 13, 7. Render, therefore, to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Now, this is directly talking about preachers, but it also, I think, applies to uh, any Christian, uh, to giving that honor. But the problem is that this praise, it made Saul very unhappy. He got angry about it. Look at verse 8. Saul was very wroth. And the saying displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me have ascribed but thousands. But what can he have more than the kingdom? And then it says that Saul eyed David from that day forward. He was The word wroth there means to burn with anger, and obviously the word very amplifies it. He was extremely angry. Uh, David getting more praise than Saul was absolutely unacceptable. He would not stand for it. And can I tell you, this is the curse that is on men that are ruled by pride. When we're ruled by pride, we cannot handle somebody getting more credit than us. We cannot handle somebody getting more of the spotlight than us, especially if they're under us in any way. Pride may, uh, this is Gladys Tabor said this, pride may go before a fall, but jealousy goes before destruction. Oh, jealousy is so deadly in people's lives. Uh, William Penn said, the jealous are troublesome to others, but a torment to themselves. Uh, it's a killer. And if you're the jealous type, man, get rid of that. Take care of that. It'll destroy you, uh, being jealous and letting that eat away at you. It is a clear sign of not walking with God when a person is jealous when others are praised more than they are. That's a clear sign of carnality in a person's life. Somebody gets praised, praise the Lord and get, get behind it. That's a good thing. It reveals pride and envy in one's heart, which is wicked if we are upset like Saul was here. Verse 8, what can he have but more, have more but the kingdom? It is the nature of kings to be concerned about losing their throne. That's just a natural thing. They worry about outside nations conquering it. They worry about somebody starting something on the inside, uh, starting an insurrection. And, uh, that, remember Herod in the New Testament when he heard there was a king? Oh, where's this king? Tell me where he was born. Then he killed boys trying to knock him. People are very worried. Kings are about losing their kingdom. And so, uh, that's why the Bible says he eyed David from that day forward. This jealousy was not a passing phase. The eyed, the verb eyed there is a continuous, in the continuous tense. And so he continued. He, he, he just let it grow, build, fester. And uh, we know it's going to turn him into basically a madman by the time uh, he lets it continue to grow. Verse 10, and it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul. So the day after Saul had this jealous fit over David getting more credit, the evil spirit returned. That's a shocker, isn't it? 
I mean that that would happen just then. Uh, one commentator said this, Let us not miss the solemn connection between what is recorded in Saul's jealous rage and the return of the evil spirit. When we indulge jealousy and hatred, we give place to the devil. Absolutely, 100%. Evil uh, or envy. Envy brings on evil spirits in our life. It'll bring a lot of other problems into our life. If we allow envy and jealousy to take hold of our thoughts and emotions, we are opening the door to myriads of problems in our life. Oh, it's so destructive uh, to allow that to happen. I really believe many many bodily ailments in people get, can get traced back to jealousy, uh, get traced back to anger, get traced back to bitterness, and it's eating them up on the inside, and it hurts them physically. I'm, I'm convinced of it. And not saying that that's every problem, but that's many problems. And uh, so we need to deal with that. We need to stop sin in the seed before it grows into a big destructive tree. F.B. Meyer said, In that hour when the first jealous thought awoke in Saul's heart, happy had he been if he had trodden the hell spark beneath his feet, but he nursed the trickling stream until it became a rudging raging, turbid flood. And that's exactly what we do in our life. When we allow those little bitternesses, those little jealousies, when we start to feed them, we start to nurse them, and we start to think about them, we start to, gets worse, we start to talk about them with others, and, it, and they will grow from a small stream to a raging flood, as he said. I think that's a good point. Uh, verse 10. And he prophesied in the midst of the house, and David played with his hand as at other times. Now, I want to just clear this up, and this is kind of where we'll end tonight. This is not prophesying like a prophet would. Uh, this isn't, he's not talking about how he, uh, like preaching like a preacher would. This wasn't a message from God or a prediction of forthcoming events. The word translated prophesied there refers not to the message so much as the mannerisms that uh, of a prophet. Zodi has said this, uh, the word means to rave, to play the madman, to act insane, through agitated, spasmodic movements often applied to false prophets. That's the idea of the word prophesied there. He was in a state of frenzy, unable to control himself, speaking words he knew not the meaning of. In other words, acting like a man possessed. And why? Why? Why was he in this state? Because he had opened the door to demonic influence through his pride, his jealousy, and his rage. And, and I'm telling you, if we allow these things into our life, it'll open the door to so much more uh, evil, and, and it'll lead to all kinds of other things in our life. Uh, there's no end to the problems. It's best for us to stay humble, like David did. Stayed in his lane, did what he was told, even though he's the next king. He's killed Goliath. It, I mean, it's, it's as if, like, after 9-11, you know, I'm the guy that went out and took out Osama bin Laden when nobody else could. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's what David did. He took out public enemy number one. And now he's humbly serving. Uh, it's, it's, the, it's the best thing we can do. Be grateful when others do well. Uh, support those who do what you can't do. That's a big deal right there. If Saul would have supported David for doing what he didn't do, it would have been a whole different story. Uh, don't worry about what you cannot do, just do what you can do, and then let God have the difference, have the results. Father, thank you for this passage. I pray that.